Welcome all you Plus 2 Comedy Modifiers to another episode of the Plus 2 Comedy Podcast. I'm your host as always, TV's Noah Houlihan. And before we get to this very special episode of the Plus 2 Comedy Podcast, I have some explaining to do. Yes, unfortunately, we had two episodes of the podcast ready to go. We did one at Gamers Vault in our usual spot. We actually did one at Castle Point Anime Convention, and they both got corrupted. So instead of a normal episode of the Plus 2 Comedy Podcast... Today I was going to post the latest episode of the Slash Fiction World Championships, and that is also corrupted. So I don't know what's wrong. I'm trying to fix everything, and I'm left here to post basically a rerun. This is episode two of the Slash Fiction World Championship, recorded close to two years ago, but available to you absolutely free. But since we don't have our normal podcast, I need to plug the upcoming shows at Gamers Vault. There is the one on the 4th, that's tomorrow, Thursday at 8 o'clock. It's going to be Adam Shrub, also known as Square Painter on the show. Please come out to that. And then on the 11th, May 11th, at 6 p.m., you can come and play Use Your Words. That's Brental Floss's new game, because Brental Floss will be on the podcast. Play the game at 6 o'clock, stay for the podcast at 8. It's going to be a fantastic time. And then on the 18th, from NBC's American Ninja Warrior. It's the Hula Hoop Ninja herself, Dana Fisher. It's going to be absolutely great. That's on the 18th. And then we have the host of Project VCR Podcast, Mr. Jason Roskamp. So please come to that one on the 25th. Come to all the podcasts. They're all at the Gamers Vault. That's 175 Route 70 in Medford, New Jersey. We'd love to see you there live. Also, big thank yous go out to Castle Point and ZenkaiCon. We had a fantastic time with them. But I also have some upcoming shows. We are happy to be going back to Nauticon. Nauticon is in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and it's not a con like any other. They're currently taking sign-ups for their Spy vs. Spy assassination game. It's going to be a blast, so please come see us do some stand-up comedy at Nauticon. That's May 19th through the 21st Robinstown, Massachusetts. More information, go to nauticons.com. We're also happy to be saying we are going to Anime Next for some cosplay pro wrestling. So join us June 9th through the 11th in Atlantic City, New Jersey at the Atlantic City Convention Center for Anime Next. And speaking of Cosplay Pro Wrestling, that is today's sponsor. Cosplay Pro Wrestling just launched their first Facebook page, so please like Cosplay Pro Wrestling, where you take an NES and your Crunchyroll subscription, throw them in the blender with a little bit of what The Rock is cooking, and you get Cosplay Pro Wrestling. I'm a part of it. Will's a part of it. It's a fantastic time. I love beating people up. So please check out Cosplay Pro Wrestling. So this is the Slash Fiction World Championships. It's not safe for work, but please enjoy responsibly. Who's ready for the Slash Fiction World Championships? Usually we travel the world searching for the greatest Slash Fiction writers. This time it was a very special request only. All the people you'll see tonight was requested by you guys, the fans, or who should be here on this stage competing for the world's greatest title of Slash Fiction Champion. There's two rounds. We have the amateur round, which will feature people who have written uh, ahead of time before the show on anything that they felt like it. We also have the professional round, which will feature people who will be 
writing something based off of your suggestion and have the length of the show to write something hilarious. Now, we're currently missing somebody that's supposed to be in the show. Uh, so I've, I've written a very quick uh, sample uh, slash fiction that's not part of the contest. But uh, I thought I thought I would still express myself. This is a this is a very important one. Uh, this one is about twenty forty eight. Thank you. Gregory was all alone. He was a lonely too. He looked at his four by four world and longed for companionship. He took some time to explore and ran across the room in full speed and ran into the wall. But when he did, something appeared. A four. A sexy, sexy four. So Gregory immediately ran over to the four and the four rejected him. Four doesn't want anything to do with some lousy two like Gregory. There was nothing he could do. But when he turned around, he noticed that a two was behind him. And it was love at first sight. He wanted nothing more than to be with that two. So he went to her. Now, to the untrained eye, it looked like only a moment before they came one. But if you knew Gregory... Oh, you know that the bottom part of his two was like rock hard, and he was rubbing it around the, the the round part. Oh man, it was so fucking hot. Oh, and then they 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 melted together, and they became a four. Gregory looked across the room, and there was the four that had rejected him. But he was looking much better to him now. Oh yeah. So he went over to the four. And he jammed his like, na like his narrow part in the opening part, and they just kind of rubbed it off together so fast until it exploded and became a sexy eight. <laughs> Gregory looked at his curves. Oh, he never felt more sexy. He ran around the room a little bit, ignoring those twos and fours, until suddenly another eight appeared. Oh never seen something so beautiful so he ran over to the eight and it was kind of it was kind of like in porn when you mash like two sets of boobs together and <laughs> like in practice it's not that great but when you're watching it it looks really cool because the boobs are all mashed up and smashing into each other and then he became a 16 oh yes now as a 16 he had to wait a little bit longer he watched as the twos became fours. The fours become eights. The eights mash into each other in that weird boob, boob way. And then he saw, finally saw another 16. But there was a dirty, dirty two in between them. No matter how they moved, the two was always in the way, preventing their love to blossom. And as they moved around... Twos became fours, fours became eights, eights became another sixteen. And he watched his love mate with another and become a thirty-two. 
he hated the 32, but at the same time found it very, very sexy. He chased the 32 around. It was right next to him. There was nothing he could do to fuck the 32. The 32 wanted nothing to do with him. He hated it, but he loved it. He was so obsessed with watching that 32. He didn't notice the other 16 up here. And then boom, he jammed his one into like the round six part and they did the same thing and they just kind of fucked that way and it was just like rubbing around in the six. And then he became a 32. It felt amazing. And the 32 was right next to him. So they got the fuck again. So immediately he went from like a 32 and then fucked his other 32 and it was rubbing the round parts and that rock hard bottom part of the two came into play. He became a 64. A sexy, sexy 34. 64, excuse me. Math is fucking hard, people. So he watched as this little game continued. And each time it was a little bit better. Oh, when he became, I had to write these down. When he became a, 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 a 128, oh, it let off this beautiful orgasmic glow. You got to play the game to get that one. And he went around and he became a 256, a 512. Each time he got to fuck another number, it was that much more pleasurable. But at the same time, every time he became a new number, it took that much longer for his next loved one to appear. So by the time he was a 1024, he grew to hate the other numbers. He hated the twos and the fours. Yes, he understood their importance to the world, but they always showed up in the wrong fucking place. <laughs> he didn't make this easy at all. He hated the higher numbers even more. The two five sixes, all oh, those fucking two five sixes. Hanging around for way too long before they're even useful. Just taking up space, making it harder for him. That is until, with what seemed like days, finally, another 1024 arrived. But there were just all these numbers in the way. The fours, the twos, the eights, even the sixteens. There was five sixteens at one point. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> that fucks it up. Unable to take his eyes off the 1024, he watched as the situation became more and more hopeless. Filled up with mates that he could not enjoy. They moved around the board, just missing each other over and over and over again until there was no room left. And everything just started fading away. He was teased one last time by a voice saying, this is impossible, fuck this game. <laughs> and Gregory was like, yes, fuck this game, please. Because love is a difficult thing. 
we may not get the love that we want. Sometimes it's just impossible and fades away. And Gregory is now only remembered as a shared Facebook status. Thank you. (laughs) Is he here? Did he show up? All right. So I guess Gregory did become a two, uh, 2048. And no, I'm not going to do more of that. We got to get this show started. We're going to start with having some people from the professional round come up here. These are all suggestions that you guys made. Uh, basically, each one of our professional rounds will come up here and they will uh, have two choices from here and one mystery choice. So they can choose one of the two that we give them. Or if they don't like either of them, they can risk it and take the mystery choice, which will be whatever's on the top of the deck. Let's get this party started. Coming to the stage first, you might remember him. He was here last year. He told a or last year, last time, and told an amazing fan fiction about Twilight. Give it up for Ramon Bender. How you doing, Ramon? There we go. I'm good. How you doing, Ramon? Oh, I'm excellent. How are you, Noah? Uh, I'm doing great. You ready? I'm so ready. All right. Here's your suggestions. Number one, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The adult swim show Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Or Flash Gordon. You can go with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Flash Gordon, or you can go with whatever's on the top of the deck. I know. Decisions are hard. It's a tough one. Oh, uh, what are you gonna do? Oh, you can't make a choice. No, I can't. No, decide for me. Um, decide I for will, you? I, 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 I will choose the, the mystery option. Oh, mystery option. That, oh, don't do that. Now I'm regretting it. He has to do whatever's on this card. Ramon will be writing about John Wayne. John Wayne. There you go. Oh, is he? Okay, good. Vegas made it. That's great. All right. Next, he came all the way from New York City. He's a legend among the convention scene. Give it up for Uncle Yo. How you doing, Uncle Yo? Noah, put that goddamn microphone down, you Hufflepuff wannabe. All right. Back away. I have a declaration of war. Friends, as you know, I come here tonight to ensure most of you do. Oh, I just got that. Okay. All right. There's a fellow competitor who just walked in through the door, deeming to think that he can upstage me wearing a tie as well. There's a gentleman who just stepped in through this room, a reigning champion. He was a champion back when Noah first met him, and he had the audacity to crush me by one point, a singular point which is still a larger number than half the population of Florida can count up to, <laughs> to have the audacity to beat me at Iron Cosplay at NecoCon with the topic cosplay. I humored it still by one point. So I am here to declare war against my fellow brother of the Universal Life Church, my brother in arms in the trench war that was NecoCon. Vegas Lancaster, I am here to appear by throw down a gauntlet. You tie-wearing bastard! This is the only podcast they'll ever need to know about! 
I swear, my friend, by the time we are done, things will be both greasy, sticky, and I hope patched up between the two of us. It is good to see you again. How is your mom? How is your mom? Did she get my flowers? Okay, those were not those were not for you. Those those were those were for Matilda. For for the internet, Uncle Yo took his shirt off to reveal an Uncle Yo shirt. With a tie, with a tie. It's the officially licensed Uncle Yo t-shirt. I ironed it today. Do you know that you... <laughs> oh, it's the one? <laughs> it's the only one? I've got a bunch of them. The, the, what they don't tell you is that on the internet, you can actually use an ironing board. You don't have to wear the shirt while ironing the decal on. Oh. And it would have saved a lot of time and aloe. <laughs> you ready to hear your topics, Uncle Yo? All right, let's do this. We got two, right? All right, we have Bruce Willis from The Fifth Element. Okay, okay. A little uh, Corbin Dallas. Or okay. The Question and Rorschach. Let's go with The Answer and Butterflies. <laughs> Is that the one you want, or, or do you want the mystery one? What do you want? Because <sighs> if I choose the mystery one, I can't go back to the You can't go back. You can't go back. It's the dilemma. Okay. I know I can't go back. It's, it's, it's going to have to be... Uh, does it say whether it's either Vic Stone or Renee Montoya? It no. just says the just says the question. Uh, the I is dotted with a heart, if that helps. It does not. And Rorschach. <laughs> All right, it's going to be the question of Rorschach. Question of Rorschach. <laughs> Uncle Yo is grabbing his computer. Here's the card in case you want to refer to it. <laughs> All right, let's bring him up here. He is the champion of last slash fiction world championships with. The Spice Girls versus DMX. Give it up for Vegas Lancaster! Yeah. How you doing, Vegas? I'm doing good. I'm here to fuck Uncle Yo up. <laughs> but I'm also here to fuck Ramon and Nikki up. So. <laughs> Everyone's getting fucked. All right, here we go. Also to tell jokes. <laughs> Now, I'm going to warn you, a lot of people heard slash fiction, so they thought that meant that they had to give two things, and then they put a slash in the middle of them. Okay, okay. It's not like you've had problems doing two things before. So this first one is... (laughs) This first one is Sailor Moon slash slash the Angry Beavers. There's a whole second choice. Oh, no, it matters, because listen to this fucking one. The Golden Girls slash Rocket Raccoon. Oh, my God, that's so good. Or, you know, you can... Or, or you know you could have this mystery one. Uh, you never know. This one might be better than those two. Uh, it might be. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Golden Girls and Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. There you go, sir. Good luck. We're all gonna get sick after that one. <laughs> Elderly people and bestiality. Really. Your next contestant was the winner of last time's amateur round with The Raven. Give it up for Nikki Black. Uh, 
She's dressed as a Sailor Scout. I wish so much <laughs> that you could have had that one. So I know. Me too. How you doing, Nikki? I'm living. Good. <laughs> that is, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm pro that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, your first one is what uh, would have been uh, the mystery choice for Vegas, which is Back to the Future. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Or your other choice uh, is Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Pikachu. Definitely, yes. Pikachu it is. <laughs> and finally, give it up for a newcomer. Rachel Finley's here. How you doing, Rachel? <laughs> Talk it to the microphone, huh? I can't even reach the microphone. That degree did not prepare me for microphones. All right, here we go. Uh, your, fir- your first choice is Optimus Prime. Or Fraggle Rock. You could take either one of those or go with whatever's on top here. Ooh, mystery. Mm. Ooh. All right, I'm going to go for mystery. Going for the mystery. Turn it down. Optimus Prime. I don't know what that one says. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it down. Optimus Prime and Fraggle Rock for League of Legends. I can do that. So they are going to be in the other room writing, so try not to distract them because uh, they got a bunch of stuff they got to do. Ramon's going to grab another beer. I'm going to put this microphone back. All right, so we have a hell of a professional round coming up. So get ready for that. But now we have the amateur round. These are all things that were written up for the show. They can write about whatever they want. You guys ready for the amateur round? Your first contestant is the host of the Breaking Badichek podcast. Give it up for Derek Badichek. Oh, boy. How you guys doing tonight? Good? Yeah, it's a lot of energy. Oh, boy. So, uh... I just want to say I'm positive this is going to be a get laid set for me. So, all right. Uh, this isn't really my forte, but I did my best, and I uh, hope you guys like it. Okay? Is Come Biodegradable by Derek Batichek. <laughs> Chapter one. It was a slow day on Hope Island. Pollution had been vanquished, at least for the moment, as the eco-villains had all retreated to their respective hideouts following the defeat of their latest attempt to inexplicably destroy the environment. Therefore, the sun was setting on the aforementioned slow day on the aforementioned Hope Island. The clean blue waters glistened with hues of orange and pink as the beach sand and palm trees took on a darker shade in the approaching night. It was under one such palm tree that Wheeler sat gazing into the distance. It's not entirely known what was racing through his head as he gazed, not even to him. Maybe images of a perfect world, one in which there was no pollution. The masses reduced, reused, and recycled, and he wasn't written so racistly American. (laughs) And in this perfect world, he would have the one thing that had eluded him for so long, a goddess. No friends, not Gaia, but rather a Soviet, no, Eastern European... Vixen that had lust, he had lusted after since the day they were summoned to fight global warming or whatever. <laughs> the one and only Lenka. 
Sure, he had come close to attaining her. They once shared a kiss in Russia in that episode that had something to do with a coal mine. He couldn't remember. Or the time she had gotten strung out on drugs with her cousin Boris in Washington, D.C., and he found himself alone in the vice president's office with her. That was until Boris jumped through the window, cutting his arms and totally ruining the moment like an asshole. Yes, that actually did happen in this show. It was a weird episode. But today would be different. He was no longer looking to seal the deal, but rather open his heart, and nothing would stop him now. The eco-villains were nowhere to be found. Kwame and Guy had gone out for drinks at an environmentally friendly dive bar, and Matia decided to spend the day back home, wherever the hell that is. <laughs> Captain Planet was safely dispersed into their rings, and Wheeler wasn't sure where Guy was, perhaps flicking her bean back in her bungalow. Wheeler always thought Guy was kind of hot in a cougary way also, so he would think that. The Earth Goddess has needs, too, he reasoned. Wheeler watched from afar as Linka and her tight, revealing khaki shorts strutted to the ecojet. Looking for her wallet, no doubt, he muttered. Little does she know I'm the one who hid it, knowing full well the ecojet would be the first place she would look. Nobody knows why Wheeler found it necessary to coax Linka out into the open rather than just going to her room, but once more he is written racistly American and therefore probably pervy like that. As Linka entered the ecojet, Wheeler stood from under the palm tree, brushed the clean beach sand off of himself, and pursued her. Chapter 2, The Pussening. <laughs> there is that damn volet, Linka exclaimed, searching the ecojet. <laughs> Suddenly, the door to the craft slammed behind her, and she turned to see Wheeler standing before it. He gazed at his Soviet conquest with fiery, wanting eyes. Wheeler, you scared me, you douche, she said. <laughs> He advanced on her, gazing deep into her eyes the way Batacek stares at a Chinese buffet. I have food issues. <laughs> have you seen my volet Linka? Wheeler interrupted as he dropped to one knee and took her hand. I have something to tell you. Wheeler, Linka said, rolling her eyes. If you're going to try to get me to fuck you by saying you're dying of cancer, what makes you think it will work a second time? <laughs> no. No, that's not it, he said. What I'm about to say isn't going to be easy, but I've got to do it, babe. Wheeler, this is surprisingly tender for you. Linka, he interrupted again. In the past few years of my life, I was summoned by a godlike entity that gave me superpowers that summon a different godlike entity <laughs> that tells people to recycle. <laughs> and the only thing, the only thing that has stopped me from having a nervous breakdown is the fact that you're fighting alongside me. Wheeler stood to his feet, taking Linka's other hand in his and still staring into her Soviet eyes. Linka... If the Iron Curtain didn't fall after season one, I might defect so that I could spend more time with you. <laughs> the way I feel about you is more important to me than the Cold War. I know I've done a lot of stupid things to try to get with you. Walking into your room at night naked, pretending I was sleepwalking. Saying that Sly Sludge put a toxin bomb in my dick and the only way to defuse it was with vaginal fluid. <laughs> and that I didn't tell anybody because I thought they wouldn't believe me. And that if we didn't defuse it, it would kill all the birds because you like birds. But at least now you know why. I want you so bad because I am head over heels in love with you, Linka. And you need to know that. Wheeler kept staring into Linka's eyes and she back into his. In that moment, time stood still. And finally, Wheeler's love for Linka was out in the open. They could both stand facing each other in respect instead of just sexual tension. <laughs> Linka suddenly grabbed his cock. <laughs> Boshamoy, take me, Yankee! She pushed her red-headed... <laughs> can't believe this. 
You know what's funny? This has been in my head for like 20 years. That's, that's the fucking... Wheeler kept... St- oh, I read that. Um, she pushed her, her red-headed American man-meats back to the wall and shoved her tongue almost halfway down his throat. No doubt Wheeler was surprised, but even less doubt that his shock was soon overcome by the pleasant feeling of the Russian tongue in his mouth and the soft Soviet hand clutching his all-American crank through his shorts. Meanwhile, his hands clutched the collar of her T-shirt and ripped the green globe asunder, <laughs> revealing her brawless, perfy, milky white tits. He gazed at them in wonder. Wheeler did a lot of gazing. And soon, and soon he grabbed at them, much like Batichek grabs all the boneless sparrows at the Chinese buffet. Linka's head fell back in ecstasy as she felt Wheeler's strong hands on her breasts and his mouth began softly kissing her neck. Bush moy, she shouted as she unbuckled Wheeler's belt. That means you're enjoying this, right? Wheeler asked, his face still pressed against her neck. Shut up, idiot. Don't ruin this. <laughs> Wheeler's shorts dropped to the floor, exposing his fire crotch, and for the first time, she felt with her bare hands his surprisingly large dick. I don't know why I made Wheeler's dick big either. I don't know. <laughs> Bush moy, let's put some vind on the fire, baby. <laughs> Linka dropped to her knees and took it all. The moist Russian innards of Linka's mouth was something Wheeler had long wanted to feel with his cock. And now, with Linka's blonde head bobbing on his manhammer, he had achieved his dream. His eyes rolled back into his head. Yeah, suck it! Suck that Yankee dick! He exclaimed. Got, 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 Linka retorted. On the page, by the way, there, it just says dick-sucking noises in parentheses. (laughs) She pulled his dick out of her mouth momentarily. Your power must be fire because you are packing heat, she quipped. And then she immediately continued her suck fest. (laughs) Wheeler pulled his cock from her mouth and pushed her by her shoulders to the floor of the eco-jet. He tore off his shirt and vest and tossed them aside as he fell to his knees before Linka and tore off her shorts. No panties, you dirty Russian bitch, he said with a smirk as he caressed her eco-vag. I don't even remember writing that. <laughs> Shut up and eat my fucking pussy, you Yankee fuck, she said as Wheeler dived headfirst into the bushes. This is where it gets weird. <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets weird, right? Oh, Wheeler, Linka moaned as she felt Wheeler's tongue swirl her clit. What? Wheeler asked, popping his head up. Push him more, you stupid, you sexy idiot, she yelled. Wheeler kissed up her smooth pair of pale body. He locked tongues with her and in that instant he entered her. They both moaned as Wheeler pumped that pussy. Writhing and gripping at each other the way Nukem grips at nuclear reactors to gain more power or Blight grabs at Scar Ointment at the convenience store or Batichek grabs all the ice cream after he finishes eating at the Chinese buffet. That was until Wheeler heard the familiar sound of a queef. Man knows his way around queefs. How did I write familiar? <laughs> he stopped in his track and locked eyes with Linka as a look of embarrassment came over her face. She laughed as she shrugged. Ha ha ha, Vind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get laid set, people. <laughs> Wheeler then laughed and continued his all-out cock assault on the front line that was Linka's twat. He'd be damned if a queef was going to stop him now. In her life, Linka had had four really intense orgasms, two by herself when she was 13, one when her and Guy got drunk and bopped tacos one time, and one from this dude she met back in the USSR named Mikhail. They met in a bar, and he was a good lay, but that's not the point. This one topped them all. 
Wheeler's Macedonic American rod had made her scream like Stalin himself was chasing her through East Berlin. Link is Russian, if you didn't know that. Bush your moy, fuck! Bush your fucking moy, yeah! She shouted into the heavens as she came. Suddenly, Wheeler withdrew his bulbous American peanut... Bulbous? Are you fucking kidding me? I wrote that. It's almost over, I promise. Ah, 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 fire! He screamed as he shot his load onto Lincoln's sweaty, thoroughly fucked body. He fell beside her and they laid there. Bare naked on the floor of the EcoJet, panting like dogs. Dogs that had just royally fucked on the floor of the EcoJet. Linka, Wheeler began as he turned his face, gasping for air. Linka turned to meet his gaze. Once more the gazing. Was that good? Linka nodded her head. Better than those drugs you got strung on, out on with Boris? She nodded again. Better than that dude, Mikhail, you told me? If it's good, Wheeler, she yelled in frustration. Okay, 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 good. I wanted it to be. I wanted you to like it. Linka, she turned to him again. Is cum biodegradable? He asked as she turned her gaze back to the ceiling. I don't know, probably, she answered. A moment or two of silence passed. Linka, Wheeler started again. Do you remember that time we had sex a few minutes ago? <laughs> Linka sighed. Yes, Yankee, I do. That was awesome. My favorite part was the sex. He said in all romantic glory. Linka rubbed her eyes in awe of the stupidity of the man who had just railed her out, but also in awe of the love she felt for him. Epilogue. <laughs> Gaia sat in her bungalow flicking her bean as she watched Linka and Wheeler on the monitor. <laughs> oh, planeteer, she thought. The power is whores. Thank you, everybody. Check everyone. Oh, he was so nervous. <laughs> I I will I will say I don't think Linka or Gee would know the term taco. <laughs> Just my thought. Your next contestant is the podcast world champion. Give it up for Frank Sorella. What's up, guys? I hope you like Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Bruce walked up to the front of Wayne Manor and knocked on the door. The rain was coming down in sheets as he stood there in the downpour. He was still in his bat suit, sweaty and exhausted from a long day of fighting crime. He was soaked inside and out. Come on, you old coot, answer the fucking door. I swear one of these days I'm going to switch out your blood pressure medication with rat poison, you useless piece of... Oh, good morning, Alfred. <laughs> Late night, sir, Alfred replied. Yeah, the penguins are a real fucker today, let me tell you. God, I need a drink. Bruce walked into the mansion and lifted his mask, took a deep breath. Ugh, feels good. Bruce began his way upstairs to his room. I'm going to get changed and have dinner ready for me when I come down, Alfred. Let's say, um, lobster. But, sir, where am I supposed to find fresh lobster at this hour? Alfred replied, I don't fucking care. That's not my job. You also got about 20 minutes to fucking figure it out, so get moving. Very good, sir. 
Might I add, you have a guest waiting for you upstairs? Bruce quickly turned around and spurted out, And when did you plan on telling me this? He asked incredulously. Well, I did right now, sir, Alfred replied. Bruce slammed his face into his palms and ran them across his cheeks. Alfred, while you're out, could you pick up some fucking rat poison? And traps as well, sir! Bruce turned back around and began stomping up the stairs. Yeah, sure, why the fuck not? (laughs) Bruce continued up to his room to see the door cracked open ever so slightly. A gentle light filled the room and fell through the doorway into the hall. Must be that hot blonde intern from earlier this week. I knew she was into me. Bruce took off his mask and shoved it down his pants, giving him a bulge that would get any girl wet. He gently pushed open the door and walked in. Hey, baby. Well, I appreciate the effort. You could have at least let me take you out to dinner first. Bruce walked over to the bed, and he could hear someone rustling under the covers. He pulled the sheets back to reveal a shirtless Bane. Bruce jumped back. Bane rolled over and stood up. Let us not stand on ceremony here, Master Wayne. Bane bellowed in that half-Vader, half-Sean Connery voice of his. Bruce quickly threw back his mask, pushed it over his face, and grabbed his batarang from his utility belt. He threw it across the room, knocking out the only light. He used this opportunity to put some distance between himself and Bane, and he moved over to the dresser and concealed himself in the shadows. Bane called out into the darkness. Come out, come out, wherever you are! He slowly walked around, groping through the room blindly. Ah, so you think that the darkness is your ally? I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light of day until I was already a man, but then it was nothing to me but blinding. Bane reached out and shoved Bruce to the ground. He flipped on the light, revealing a bulging nine-inch cock. <clears throat> Bruce, still half in his suit, shielded his eyes with his bat cape. After a few, se- <laughs> After a few seconds, his eyes acclimated to the new brightness. Bruce now knelt face to face with Bane's throbbing erection. He looked up towards Bane and winced. Now is not the time for fear, Bruce. He said as he grabbed the back of Bruce's head with his right hand. With a fistful of bat, Bane uses impeccable biceps to force his cock deep into Bruce's gaping mouth. As he pulled Bruce down until his balls were deep and his bat lips touched the end of Bane's shaft. That comes later. Get it? Comes later? He repeated, putting extra emphasis on the cums the second time around. Bruce was not compliant. He continually tried to fight back, but this merely annoyed Bane. You may be wondering why someone would fuck a man before taking him out on a date. Bane then raised his massive fist and came down with a thunderous blow. This contact crushed Bruce's bat helmet, leaving Bruce's head spinning. Bane took advantage of this temporary paralysis and slammed him against the wall. Bane propped himself up against the wall, making a Wayne sandwich. He proceeded to Facebook Bruce mercilessly. Each violent thrust, Bruce's head slammed back into the wall, continuously clouding his mind, only to bounce back and slam deeper onto Bane's cock with each new thrust. With one final pelvic thrust, Bane forced himself deep into Bruce's throat. Bruce gagged, but Bane continued to hold. With a few seconds to recover, Bane collected, Bruce collected himself and began to fight back. Bane pulled out and lifted Bruce up by the collar of his bat suit. He stared deep into Bruce's eyes and said, You fight like a younger man, with nothing held back. Bruce retaliated and headbutted Bane, 
cracking his bat cranium against Bane's crab-like breathing thing. Oh, I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit! Bane then hoisted Bruce above his head and tossed him across the room onto the bed. Bane pounced off onto him, pulling off a textbook stone-cold stunner, knocking Bruce flat onto his stomach. Oh, your body! Bruce, sore and defeated, accepted his fate. Bane tore off Bruce's batsuit, exposing his hot, sweaty, chiseled body and a fit, muscular ass. Bane looked down at, at the weathered and beaten Bruce. We both know that I must fuck you now. Just get it over with. Frank took a water break. <laughs> yeah. You don't fear my cock. You welcome it. Your punishment must be more severe. You're going in dry, aren't you? But of course. You can watch me torture your asshole. And then, when you have truly understood the depth of your failure, we will fulfill Razor Ghoul's destiny. We will destroy your asshole. And then, when it is done and inflamed, then you have my permission to come. Bane coughed up some spit and pulled off his mask. He was primed to spit into Bruce's asshole and give Bruce just a little bit of lube. But Bane was ready to dive in raw. Let the games begin! Bruce turned his neck around to see Bane in his exposed position. Bruce mustered up enough strength for one last punch. He arched up and gave Bane a strong hook to the face, knocking off that mouth crab thing. <laughs> Bane reared back and Bruce jumped atop him. Did you really think you were the only one who could learn the strength to escape? But I broke you. Yeah, now I'm going to break your asshole. That's quite a small dick you have there, Bruce. It's not the size of my penis, but how I use it, that defines me. No sooner did Bruce finish his witty comeback line did he bury... Did he bury himself balls deep into Bane? Bane tried to fight back. His immaculate pecs and biceps rippled in all their glory as he struggled to break free. Bruce knew he wouldn't be able to overpower Bane, so he used his gadgets to his advantage. He shot his grappling gun and hooked a latch onto a bedpost. Bruce then hogtied Bane, rendering his strength useless. He looked like a pig at a Hawaiian roast with his arms stretched and bound and his mouth stuffed full of mask like a juicy red apple. Though Bruce was mainly concerned with his juicy red asshole. Ah, Bruce cried aloud. Your asshole is dry and callous. Feels like I'm fucking a fleshlight filled with sandpaper. Now, Bruce, I have lube but not on me. I have left it with the people of Gotham. For one of them holds the jelly. Where is it? Bruce punches Bane in the back of the head. Where's the jelly? I left it to the people. Bruce punched Bane a second time. You were entrusted with an ordinary fuck, buddy. Where is the lubricant? 
Bane flailed his arms, trying to break free. He was able to release one and began groping his puffy jacket. (laughs) Bruce scooped it up and rummaged through the pockets. After a few seconds of frantic searching, he pulled out a half-used tube of lube. Bruce unscrewed the lid and jammed the entire bottle deep into Bane's ass, squeezing all of its contents deep into his anus. He quickly pulled out the bottle and dove in himself. It's a whole new world down there. Much better, where it's wetter. Just you and me. Bruce grabs firmly onto Bane's waist and ravaged him from behind. Bane tried to speak up, but Bruce spanked his ass and silenced him. Bruce leaned into Bane, forcing himself deep inside. With each thrust, their two sweaty bodies banged into each other, as well as their big, salty balls dangling beneath them. Bane's erection only got harder. Bruce reached around, groping Bane's chest, and slowly worked his way down to his cock. He proceeded to jerk off Bane while fucking him at the same time. Call me master. Of course, Master Bruce. Bruce pulls out and flips Bane onto his back. He rolls Bane up, throws his legs over his shoulders. He lifts Bane's cock and slides his dick right under his balls back into his anus. Amidst their savage fucking, Bane's other hand had broken free. With the one, he began stroking himself. With the other, he pleasured Bruce's asshole. Bruce appreciated Bane's effort to add to the situation, but he wanted more. Now talk dirty to me, you fucking whore. This is the best fucking I've had in a long time, I swear to God. Swear to me! hate that voice. Frank is taking a second water break. No sooner did Bruce scream aloud did he begin to come. He shot load after steamy bat load deep into Bane's ass. As he felt as he felt himself quickly being filled with Bruce's rich white boy cum, Bane's body tensed up and he clenched his asshole, trapping Bruce inside. He was still pumping away on his own dick. Harder than a 14-year-old that had found one of his dad's old playboys in the garage in one of those boxes before he threw it out in the woods. <laughs> Almost immediately after Bruce let his load go, did Bane follow in return. His cum stream fired out of his cock several feet into the air, high enough to nail Bruce right in the face. Bruce opened his mouth, trying to catch as much as he could, but it was to no avail. Bane's load was too intense, and it quickly filled the entirety of Bruce's mouth. It drained back down, falling onto Bane's partially flaccid cock, a perfect snowballing. Bruce swallowed what cum he could and slowly pulled out. He untied Bane from his restraints and lay down upon his chest. Bruce rubbed Bane's chest, spreading around the massive load of cum Bane spared on himself only moments ago. Bruce slowly took off his mask for the first time and looked Bane square in the eye. But before he could say anything, an envelope slid under the door. The paper made a quiet scratching sound as it glided across the floor and settled next to the nightstand. Bane reached down and picked it up. He examined the envelope. It was blank. He opened it to find a letter. Bane read aloud. What is long, hard, and full of semen? Oh, my God. It can't be. Do you know what this means? Replied Bruce. It's a dick! No, wait. A submarine! Ha, <laughs> ha! Whoever wrote this is pretty clever. Clever, yes, but insane. How did he escape Arkham? (laughs) Who are you talking about, Bruce? 
Bruce was barely able to utter the words aloud. The Riddler. Frank Cirilla. Your next contestant helps run the tap room every Wednesday in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Please give it up for Stephen Bryan. All right. All right. Uh, that dude is nasty. I like that. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Nickelodeon's Doug. Uh, not to be confused with the shitty ABC version. All right. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Doug always had a thing for Patty. Patty mayonnaise. Mostly because he liked girls with no ass. <laughs> but he always felt too nervous to ask her out. He didn't know why. He, he had a, his sweater vest game was crazy. <laughs> when it came to green sweater vests, Nobody in town was fucking with him. <laughs> he had a whole closet full of them, like, like Adrian Monk did with suits. <laughs> Every time he wore one, he'd throw it away, because fuck that shit, only pussies wear the same one twice. <laughs> he wondered, hmm, maybe she doesn't want me because I look like a progeria person. <sighs> I mean, I'm a teenager with five hairs. Should probably see a doctor. Uh, but then he thought again, he should be confident because uh, he knew his dick game was also crazy. He walked, <laughs> he walked into school and saw Patty across the room with her no breasts and no ass and her curly blonde hair, which looks a little ethnic, and both her parents are supposed to be white, so I'm pretty sure something happened there. Uh, he was really nervous because... He heard she was into blue guys, you know. Blue guys with their big things and low credit scores. <laughs> he walked over and said, hi. Patty said, hey, Dad. With her raspy, stupid voice, which <laughs> sounded like she was smoking since she was like five years old. <laughs> Doug replied, would you like to go? Before he could even finish, she kissed him. What he didn't know was Patty was a freak. Her real last name was not Mayonnaise. That was her nickname. <laughs> Semen. <laughs> Let's go back to my place. They rushed to her place. She pulled down his pants and looked in amazement. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. She pulled down his pants and looked in amazement. It looked just like Skeeter Valentine's nose. <laughs> she grabbed it, and with a nice squeeze, it went, ha, ha. <laughs> I just didn't know if I could get that out. Uh. It was blue, too. They made passionate love. That's as, that's as uh, sensual as I can get. That's it. <laughs> Everyone had these long, drawn-out things. I just know fucking. All right. Uh, <laughs> wow, that was amazing, Doug exclaimed. Eh, 
Patty sighed with her horrible old lady voice. I got to do things that's not here. Doug felt relief from the years of nervousness that had built up from his secret crush was now released. Also, he released his semen. <laughs> a week later, Doug went in for his yearly physical, where he found out where he found out that his burning love turned to burning urine. <laughs> Hold on, this motherfucker had Bane raping Batman. As a comic, I'd want to get out on that. <laughs> that, was, that was a get-off-the-stage joke. All right. Now the words of his favorite song finally made sense. I, you, killer poon. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Stephen Bryan! Your next contestant holds the record for worst record on host versus guest versus audience. Give it up for Paul! I know, but it still hurts to hear it. Okay, <clears throat> so <sighs> this is a piece called uh, Plus Two Condomny. It's, it's, it's a pun, which hopefully will be explained as we go on. Okay. <clears throat> Who's ready for a slash fic? Who's currently doing something else and being inadvertently aroused by a slash fic? Yeah, there we go. Actual response. That's fun. Good evening, everyone. I'm TV's Noah Houlihan, and I am joined by the safe word to my orgy, Mr. Will Liam. <laughs> Will paused for a moment, considering the level of insult he should take from Noah's comically backhanded compliment. You know, Noah, that is a necessary component of a successful orgy. It's very underappreciated, but crucial, especially when there are a lot of first-timers, he explained. Speaking of first-timers, gang, Noah said, retrieving control of the show before Will could continue, I want you to give a warm plus-two comedy welcome to tonight's guest, the Dark Knight himself, Mr. Ben Affleck. Ben! The crowd erupted in a roar of cheers, which filled the game shop. Emerging from the next room and taking a seat next to the nerdly duo was Ben Affleck inexplicably shirtless and glistening with that attractive Hollywood sweat that you just can't seem to ever replicate yourself in the gym no matter how many times you try and we're getting off topic anyway his chiseled masculine form drew attention of every eye in the store and even Noah found himself lost in that heavenly six pack <laughs> hey guys Ben said calmly surveying his adoring public as they continued their thunderous applause attempting to regain his composure in the face of this monolith of a man Noah jumped right into the next segment Ben, we like to geek out on our show, so we're going to start with our segment, What You Watching, What You Reading, and What You Playing. It's where we talk about what we're watching, and what we're reading, and what we're playing. I know what I'm watching, Will said quietly to himself. His eyes roaming. (laughs) 
his eyes roaming every inch of Ben Affleck's impeccable torso. Honestly, most of my time has been spent working on portraying Batman in the new movie. Oh, could you give us an example of the voice you're going to use? Will asked excitedly. <laughs> with a laugh, Ben leaned close to the microphone, locking eyes with Noah. I'm Batman, he said with a deep, <laughs> masculine growl, filled with so much raw sexuality that Noah shuddered with pleasure from his voice alone. In that one moment, all of Noah's fears for the quality of the new movie were gone, replaced by the wish that the new bat suit was as tight and detailed as the ones from Joel Schumacher's films. <laughs> bat nipples. That is what I was implying. The hosts of the podcast were so taken aback by the sheer perfection that blossomed gracefully from the man that would be Bat, they accidentally disconnected the power cord from Noah's laptop, ending the podcast suddenly without allowing Ben Affleck to plug his Twitter account. No! Noah cried in anguish, embarrassed at his lack of professionalism in front of his idol. He looked to Will for help, but his co-host's face had turned many shades brighter than his fiery hair. And, and Noah realized that his co-worker would only be more helpful if he wasn't made of potatoes. Ben Affleck looked at the pair and shook his head, his lack of shirt once again drawing attention to his glistening pecs. Noah fought the urge to attempt to motorboat the fantastic specimen of a man before him, but he knew he was unworthy. Suddenly... A thought occurred to Noah. The storeroom in the back of the building, there had to be a battery there. Maybe they could salvage this podcast yet. You doing okay? Ben whispered seductively into Noah's ear, only worsening Noah's battle with gravity. It took all of Noah's willpower not to simply collapse right there on the floor, cooing like a dove, you know, all soft and sweet, like he often did when aroused. <laughs> ben turned Noah to face him and looked longingly into his eyes. Was this the moment that Noah had waited for in all of his career as a podcast host? The moment he played out in his head millions of times. Could it be? Whoa there, Noah. You gotta watch your step, Will said, slinking over to the dynamic duo. <laughs> Oops, he said with an exaggerated flourish, pretending to fall so that he might lean on Ben for support, getting to second base with the man in the process. Ben turned his attention to Will and landed a kiss on his lips, a passionate one. Noah's heart sank. Sad and dejected, he turned away, returning to the task at hand. But upon reaching the door, something deep and primal welled up inside him. This is my podcast, too! Noah turned on his heels, pulling Ben away from fondling Will through his cargo pants, and landed the kiss of his dreams upon the podcast guest. As they break, strings of saliva still attached, Lady in the Tramp style between their lips. Ben smiles. I guess you're the host this podcast deserves. And the host I need right now. Before Noah had a chance to react, Ben brought Noah to the floor faster than the box office dropped Gigli. <laughs> Noah couldn't believe it was finally happening. He could feel Ben Affleck's dark night rising as Noah's pants... <laughs> as Noah's pants were slowly brought down around his ankles, revealing his Bioshock Infinite boxers to the world. <laughs> But just as Noah was ready to surrender himself to this glorious Adonis, he felt a tap on his shoulder. There was Will, stripped down to his tidy whiteies, looking pleadingly at the pair like a sad puppy left out in the rain. Could, could I join in, he asked, <laughs> giving the duo a look that he thought was convincing, but was actually a face only a mother would let into an orgy. 
Noah smiled at his crimson companion, clasping his hands on Will's shoulders. I couldn't do this without my boy wonder. What followed was a flurry of clothes and nudity that completely shattered the PG rating the host strived to maintain each episode. The audience watched in shock and awe as the trio was soon on top of each other, closer than the Jamaican bobsled team going for gold. They could not look away, each person silently wishing that they could be the one whose bat cave Ben Affleck had taken up residence in. The silence was only broken by Ben Affleck's powerful grunts, Noah's innocent coos, and Will's sweaty flaps. Soon, the sheer sexual energy built to an orgasmic crescendo as the trio climaxed in waves of ecstasy. The audience stood and applauded the show, the sight so powerful, so moving, so breathtakingly magical an experience, there was not a dry eye or undergarment to be found amongst them. <laughs> Noah lay panting on the floor of Jester's Playhouse, where the fun begins, located on Tilton's Road in Northfield. <laughs> Knowing that the stains on the floor beneath him would be harder to remove than the movie Daredevil from Ben Affleck's filmography. (laughs) Noah looked to his right, his eyes meeting those of Will. They nodded to each other approvingly, knowing that without a doubt, this moment was going to be the highlight of their lives. Then, while the thunderous applause continued unabated, and Noah basked in the afterglow of the moment, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney entered the building with a large plastic pool. These Batmen, who paled in comparison to the director of Argo, proceeded to fill the pool with Diet Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Ben lifted Noah into his arms and carried him bridal-style to the pool, where, like a baptism from Christ himself, Noah's pasty, naked body was washed clean by Ben Affleck. The carbonation-enhanced sensation of his skin being bathed by his idol was almost enough to bring Noah to a raging erection once more. Almost. Once bathed, Ben once again took Noah into his arms and walked him right out the door. Where are we going, Ben? Noah asked as Affleck lowered him gently into the sidecar of the 1960s bat bike. Home, old chum, Ben said as he started the engine. We're going home. Noah sat up with a start in his bed, every hair in his body tingling all over. Will lay storing next to him in bed, his arms wrapped around a Boba Fett body pillow. No other sound could be heard. The whole event had been so vivid. But had it all been a dream? A hallucination brought about by reading House of Leaves? (laughs) Noah couldn't be sure. But he knew that one way or another, he would be the first in line to see Zack Snyder's take on The Dark Knight and that he would be masturbating the entire time. Thank you. That's how it would happen. (laughs) But Adam fucking West better be there. (laughs) Give it up for Paul. Your final contestant is the safe word to my orgy. Give it up for William.
thanks for making me follow my own fucking story. <laughs> and for the record, I have neither slinked nor flourished in my entire life. <laughs> Although I kind of feel really one-dimensional now that Paul's called me out on something. But uh, my, my story's about Macklemore. I'm going to say that up front. <laughs> But the actual working title is uh, The Adventures of Boba Fett, Sex Legend, Chapter 2, Macklemore. <laughs> so so uh, let's go. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Boba was browsing the shoes in his local thrift shop. He needed a new pair of spiked boots, and sometimes you couldn't just afford new clothes on a bounty hunter's budget. It's like working in a miniature golf course part-time, but Boba Fett wouldn't know anything about that shit. Uh, he moved on to the shirts, uh, finding a sweet Boba... Shit, and I wouldn't... Uh, Batman. A Batman, a sweet Batman shirt. Uh, just then, the entrance door swung open, and a man in a big-ass fur coat walked in, like, what up, I got a big cock. And from the bulge in his pants, Boba could tell he did. He walked past the galaxy's most dangerous and handsome bounty hunter, stopping and looking him up and down. Oh, you're Boba Fett. I love your work. Boba Fett nodded cool and said likewise. And without warning, Macklemore planted a kiss on Boba's helmet, <laughs> smudging his lips up against the glass vision slit. <laughs> this in no way made Boba Fett uncomfortable because he's completely secure with his sexuality. He's so secure that he could write this whole experience down and read it in front of people and not feel uncomfortable in any way. <laughs> and then it gets worse. Uh, Macklemore slowly lowered himself to his knees, removing Boba Fett's poison, poison dart-launching crotch piece, reaching inside his jumpsuit and pulling out his rock-hard five-and-a-half-inch cock, which is a normal fucking size. Those fucking internet maps are all a bunch of bullshit. I, Boba Fett asked a doctor... And that's what he told him, so shut the fuck up, Coach Schaefer. <laughs> that last part was personal. I hope you didn't hear it. <laughs> ah, shit. Uh, <laughs> Macklemore opened his mouth and hungrily wrapped his lips around it like a great white shark on Shark Week. Oh. Oh. Oh, I'm just reading it like it's written. Oh, oh. There's like 15 more. Just, oh, oh, oh. Oh, all right. He's sucking his cock. You get the idea. When he was finished, Boba Fett dropped his pants. He got on all fours. Macklemore quickly got behind him. He took his cock in his hand. Just bear with me. Guiding his fleshy proton torpedo through Boba's <laughs> equatorial trench towards his rear exhaust point. It couldn't have been more than two centimeters wide, but Macklemore, Macklemore used to butt fuck romp rats back home. And they weren't much bigger than that. I'm not happy that got in here either. <laughs> Macklemore moaned. He had that gas pedal lean back, taking his time. They shined. The city never looked so bright. It's lyrics. You get it. <laughs> After only a few minutes of vigorous man-sexing, the thrift shop door chimed again. It swung open, and in walked an exact copy of Macklemore, except with a ruggedly evil goatee, an expensive leather jacket, a Gucci shirt, and a pair of jeans that must have cost him like $80. <laughs> I knew I'd find you in here, he mackled. 
Boba Fett looking around, wondering if any of this stupid fucking story made sense to anybody else. He's my evil twin, Macklemore replied. Macklemost. He sometimes goes to my concerts dressed like a racist Jewish stereotype. He also played Roger Klotz on Doug. <laughs> Just then, Macklemore noticed the totally sweet lower back tattoo that Boba It's not a fucking tramp stamp. A lot of cult men have it. It's a Maori warrior thing, and I thought he thought, fuck you guys. Uh, and and Macklemore said it was sweet. He said it was, Macklemore th- thinks it's cool, so. That tattoo, it's the mark. You're the chosen one. You have to help me. Uh, Boba Fett got up brushing himself off. Uh, you know what? It's getting weird, and I think I'm going to get out of here. Macklemore grabbed his hand and said, No, we must perform the ritual to defeat him. Follow my lead. Boba reluctantly followed suit. As All right, bear with me. They thrust their cocks together. And again, I'm totally comfortable with all of this. Uh, pulling their foreskins forward, docking perfectly. <laughs> A blinding rainbow light erupted from their tips, blinding Boba. When his vision returned, Macklemore was gone. Before him floating in the air stood Macklefinity. <laughs> he fired a rainbow beam of energy from his cock, threw Macklemore, obliterating him, then out into the world, legalizing gay marriage and causing everyone in Tumblr to just calm the fuck down about shit. <laughs> All right, let's get all of our amateur round contestants up here. Give it up for Frank, Paul, Stephen, Brian, Derek, Badacek, and William. Come on out of here, guys. Come on up. Come on up. Uh, this is going to be awkward. Oh, no, don't touch. All right. All right, I'm going to stop. All right, I'm going to remind everyone uh, of what everybody did. Don't clap yet. Frank did uh, Bane and Batman. Derek did uh, Captain Planet with Wheeler and and Linka. Uh, Paul did me and Will and Ben Affleck. Uh, He didn't do... Never mind. Uh, Will wrote Malcolm McAmore and Boba Fett, and uh, Stephen Bryan wrote Doug. So by a round of applause, Batman and Bane. Captain Planet. Plus two comedy. No, no, we're still going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to go. <laughs> Boba Fett and Macklemore. Doug. Your amateur round winner, Paul. <laughs> for all the first round contestants. All right, you guys can get off the stage now. Good, get off the stage. All right, someone yell to the professional round people and tell me who's ready because I need somebody. Nikki's ready? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, last time's amateur round winner, give it up for Nikki Black. Are you guys ready? Thank you. Okay, my subject was Pikachu. Ash sighed. 
It was the end of a long day, and honestly, he had not yet adjusted to poke battles being little more than a talent and beauty competition. (laughs) The stress of being stuck competing in a world he no longer related to was nearly crushing, but what was he to do? This was the only profession he had ever known. He had eschewed school on the grounds that he would be the very best, a poke master, and he couldn't let his mom down, not since they lost dad in the war. (laughs) So, another day of paying his dues, and the reward, maybe a new badge, maybe another Pokemon. Great, he thought, another mouth to feed. (laughs) At least he still had Pikachu. He looked over at the yellow mound on his pillow, uh, gently rising up and down with each breath taken and exhaled into the night air. This electric rat was the only motion in the room now. Up and down, in and out, Ash thought of the rising of fur over the rib cage, and suddenly and inexplicably was reminded of the heaving of breasts. Misty's breasts (laughs) when she breathed heavy after a tough battle god she was such a fucking sundere all passion caged behind a yellow tank top and suspenders Ash reached out to touch the fur and felt his manhood begin to harden honestly this was nothing new if y'all think a near teenage boy owning an electric rat who insisted on being near him 24-7 without ever seeing him masturbate. Y'all are seriously living some sexless Christian fantasy bullshit. (laughs) Ash stroked the fur. Ash stroked his cock. Pikachu stirred. (laughs) Ash considered um... Considered stopping, but the pressure in his jeans was at this point too much. He and Pikachu were bros, right? Fap nap, code of honor applied. Get off, go to sleep, never speak of it again. (laughs) But instead of pretending to be asleep, Pikachu turned his head. He looked ash in his oversized eyes. (laughs) An embarrassed series of lines indicating a blush covered his rosy cheeks. He moved his head forward. He took Ash's finger in his mouth. He suckled like a Pokemon at the teat of a mill tank. (laughs) Ash started to pull his hand away, but Pikachu was insistent. He moved his tiny rat tongue around Ash's fingers in a way that reminded the young master of other appendages. (laughs) Like his dick, for instance. (laughs) which was now objecting forcefully against the fly of his very 90s jeans. (laughs) He groaned. There was no denying Pikachu's intentions. You, you teach me and I'll teach you? (laughs) Ash asked. His voice strained and nervous. Pikachu said, chew. And sent a small shock through Ash's finger, which traveled through his body and exited via his penis hole, (laughs) zapping the button right off his jeans. Ash withdrew his hand but could not ignore the pleasure coupled with the pain. They were too far now. There was nothing to do but become masters, masters of each other's bodies. (laughs) Pikachu used quick attack, and before... (laughs) 
Before Ash could object, he was completely disrobed. <laughs> the moonlight hit his throbbing cock and reflected so beautifully, you'd have thought you were watching the sparkling light reflecting off of a Lapras in a silent film. <laughs> <laughs> But this night was hardly silent, and the only waves occurring were the waves of heat spreading throughout Ash's body. Pikachu was using double team. (laughs) Yes, moving at rates too fast for human eyes, he was both lapping Ash's asshole and sucking his dick. The electricity (laughs) spread through his body, through his orifices, and off his bones. He felt life, he felt death, he felt the beauty of a wild but captive existence outside a ball but still belonging to a man. (laughs) And now... He thought with a chuckle, his own balls belonged to this Pokemon. <laughs> when he thought he was going to erupt, Pikachu used a move he, had, he didn't even know he had learned. Harden. Pikachu scaled Ash's legs and inserted himself easily. Let's be honest, a rat dick isn't going to rip a hole in anyone. But Ash let him have his fun. <laughs> he thrusted Pika, 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 chill! <laughs> and hot liquid filled Ash's hole. Pikachu laid down on the bed, panting. Little sparks erupted from his rosy cheeks. Pikachu, Ash said, still throbbing and not yet sated. The head of his dick was so filled with the rush of blood it looked like a pokeball, and he knew exactly what he wanted to catch. (laughs) Pikachu, he began again, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is not... (laughs) It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. A moment passed through the heavy, musty night like a ship through smog. Did you just motherfucking quote Mewtwo at me? (laughs) Pikachu seemed to ask incredulously. You can fucking talk, Ash nearly screamed. Meowth, that's right, Meowth whispered from the window. Lowering his binoculars, he made eye contact with Ash... uh, Uh, For a moment, more human conversation was not necessary. Ash grabbed Pikachu by his thick, striped thighs and thrust it into his ass. Chew, Pikachu said, as the human dick to Pikachu ratio was much larger than the other way around. (laughs) He thrust it again and again, suddenly not so upset about the beauty competition aspect of the recent competitions because of Pikachu's sleek oiled and bleached asshole. (laughs) Meowth could no longer contain himself. He climbed through the window. Chew, chew. He took Pikachu's cock in his mouth and began lapping it forcefully. Every nature-engineered feline tongue pocket cradling the cum that coated it. Chew, chew. Ash could barely contain himself. The electric pulsating of Pikachu's ass now... The satiated look on Meow's face from nothing more than tasting that tiny thundercock. <laughs> he thrusted once more deeply. Oh, Daddy, he whispered, exposing more, 
issues than he would have liked, but who cares? <laughs> Pikachu had been the very best, like no one ever was. His hot cum matted the yellow fur and began to drip down the thick rat thighs. Chill! <laughs> Pikachu felt the cum in his asshole and came himself, Meowth lapping up every drop. The cat Pokemon licked his lips. Looks like Pikachu's blasting off again. <laughs> he said, wiping the excess seed from his face. Again? Ash asked, shocked. The poke sluts gave him guilty, yet placating looks. You guys, he said, shaking his head. To fuck them was the real test, he thought. Training is done. <laughs> Nikki Black! Keep that energy going for your next contestant. Give it up for Rachel Finley! hear me from here? Hello? <laughs> I'm only three feet tall. <laughs> Will is adjusting the microphone. <laughs> Just to give an accurate visual. <laughs> All right. So I got League of Legends, which I know very, very little about, but we'll go with it. Tarek had always had a thing for proper gentlemen. They made him quiver beneath his armor in a way that should have been shameful, shameful, but man, who cared? How could he say no to that top hat, the monocle that reflected his desire back to him that made him flush? He couldn't say no, couldn't deny the way his heart pounded. Okay, so maybe it was bad timing, giving the minions and the violence and the death all around them, but whatever, fuck it. The gentlemen had big, shiny pinchers, and Tarek could swear that they clicked at him seductively. <laughs> That was a fetish he could get behind, or in front of, whatever. He didn't know how to fuck a creature from the void, but he would manage. <laughs> he wrenched his glittering purple armor from his chest and tossed it aside, <laughs> ignoring a howl from afar. My fucking cue! <laughs> now wasn't the time to attack. The gentleman doffed his its top hat and laughed musically. Is this a surrender? Tarek smiled, stepped over his shield, and spread his arms in so many ways. <laughs> the sounds of battle died out around them, the cries of victorious and defeated teammates and enemies becoming mere background noise. Someone recalled back to their base, and suddenly, he was alone with the gentleman. Gentlemen, we can play together. I call bot. <laughs> the gentleman's eyes widened, and the monocle fell away to land in the dirt at his feet. The gentleman wasn't wearing clothes. He never did, but never before had he looked so naked and exposed. The armor around Tarek's waist was too tight. There was no armor in the world designed to handle the growing pulse of desire in his loins. Or maybe there was, somewhere. He'd have to Google it. <laughs> With safe search off. <laughs> the gentleman stared, only stared, but Tarek could feel the heat from him. There was no denying the way the gentleman's tongue lolled out of his mouth, seeking him out, tasting the air between them. Tarek wondered, for a brief and delicious moment, how creatures from the void used their tongues. What tricks did they learn? How could that tongue take him apart as it moved inch by inch over his milky skin? 
The gentleman stepped closer, and Tarek froze in place, allowed that long tongue to close the distance and run slowly, teasingly, over his collarbone. Maybe there was venom in gentleman's saliva, or maybe it was just lust, but his skin tingled and burned as that tongue tasted him. Are you certain, the gentleman asked, that you wouldn't rather jungle? <laughs> Tarek breathed out and leaned in as the tongue moved to circle his nipple. The gentleman was making him shameless. Gentlemen, he sighed. I don't understand that euphemism. <laughs> the gentleman just laughed, the forked claws of his hands coming up to rest on Tarek's shoulders as his tongue slipped lower, slowly, slowly, until it teased at the waist of his pants. Only a few more inches and they would be there. Tarek's desire pulsed against his codpiece, yearning to be touched. <laughs> With a trembling hand, he reached out and wrapped his fingers around the hot, slick length of the gentleman's tongue. He stroked once, deliberately, letting the gentleman imagine all the things he could do with his hands, his mouth, his body. I knew it, Tarek whispered in a husky, lust-tinged voice. Such a well-spoken gentleman would certainly have a talented tongue. <laughs> the very short Rachel Finley! Your next contestant is the host of We Are The Geek, ladies and gentlemen, Uncle Yo! Hello. When I came down today, when I came here down today, I, I brought a bag of organic muffins hoping to share with the winner. They did not survive the Megabus trip down. Many of you are familiar with me, of course, with my previous slash fictions. Award-winning, of course, such as apples on oranges, apples under oranges, apples blended together with oranges. That's the beauty of prepositions. You change one of them, suddenly it's a brand new story. Franchise, bitches! I was given the prompt. As you know, the question versus Rorschach. The question, my friends, now is the title of my story. Submitted for the approval of the mid-fuck society. <laughs> Who watches the crotchman? <laughs> the streets of Gotham glowed with a slick sickness. All the crimes had been solved. All the villains defeated for the first time in the city's history. All the Robins lay dead, having been beaten by Rorschach, the poor man's daredevil, who is in himself the poor man's Nightwing. Who lay scrapped and bleeding in the gutter where Dan Dio had actually condemned his career to rot since the early 90s. Damien, his own head literally shoved up his ass through a bitter twisting of his mechanical spine, lay splayed and bloodied beside Jason Todd, who was finally still dead. Again. A man in a long trench coat and a mask made from a lady's stocking with a swarming, ever-creasing symmetrical pattern gazed at his own handiwork. He removed the brass-knuckle dildos that Night Owl had saved for those lonely, lonely... Lonely, lonely nights. I told you bitches the end was nigh. Herm. Rorsch Rorschach smelled the air. It had the heaty, meaty tang of dried vag flakes and scrotum steam. Not exactly sure where the vag flakes smell came from. Ask Jason Todd. The Starbucks was closed. For the first time in the city's history. Rorschach patted his murder boner which rocked and shook in the blessed horror before it like a small Amish girl wandering the streets of Bangkok. 
Oh no, Jesus Christ cannot help you here, my friend. <laughs> he turned to leave the alley, and a figure stood blocking his path. Steam rose behind the other angry mystery detective without a face. <laughs> Eyes without a face? Really now? Rorschach mused. Said the copycat. Replied the question who spat in disgust, which was considerably stupid. I fight crime, solve mysteries, and I do it my way. He sustained in a weird, awkward monotone. We're done quoting Frank Sinatra for the rest of the story, by the way. Some of you are disappointed. They stared at each other, or at least they assumedly stared at each other, seeing as eye contact was impossible through their mask. For all Rorschach knew, the question was scrolling through Disney Afternoon Girls on DeviantArt, which included bubble fetish, tickling fetish, mpreg fetish, or mpreg being tickled by bubbles fetish. Deviant art is weird. <laughs> the only mystery getting solved here, said Rorschach in a raspy, manly growl, is who pounded your ass into the ground. Spoiler alert, the answer is me. I'm not a bunch of bitch white suburban teenagers out of a shameless remake of a beloved Wes Craven horror franchise. The question yelled, manly, pumped by adrenaline and ready for manly action. They raced at each other. Copies, parallels, palace swaps, bitch cosplays of each other. <laughs> Rorschach and the question were equally matched. Hands touched hands, touched me, touched all of you! Sweet Christmas! exclaimed the question in a raspy, manly monotone. They headbutted. They butt heads. They were slapping, panting, grappling, rolling and tumbling until in a desperate ploy to ground himself with the desperation of a young lost Amish girl lost on the streets of Las Vegas. They have bad sense of direction. I can't help it. <laughs> the question shocked Rorschach by ramming three fingers into the Alan Moore ripoff. <laughs> Rorschach howled in heat. A man, a defiant manly falsetto roar. The fight was over. The fucking was about to begin. <laughs> no one's ever, ever shocked me like that during a mystery, Rorschach said. His face red beneath his mask, hidden from either sweating or blushing. <laughs> blushing for balls and cock. It's not like I wanted to fight you or anything, Baka Rorschach. <laughs> me muse the question. You know I have cancer, right, senpai? You know my mother was a whore, Herm, said Rorschach, nibbling his finger through his mask, rimming something that may have been his mouth. We don't know. It hides his fucking face. Let's see what happens when I split your ass in two. What'll I see? Asked the question. You may be the question, you... Violent retcon C-lister, said Rorschach. It's just word has redlined almost every other word in this, so bear with me now. I'm seeing red everywhere. But what is a question without a mark? With that, Rorschach leapt forward and clamped down on Vic Stone's nipple, twisting it like the last ten minutes of an M. Night Shyamalan abomination. You fiend! The question roared. The sweat was shrieking, was streaking across his face beneath his mask when he reached to pull off. When he reached it to pull it off, Rorschach stayed his hand and said, rasping, No, not your face. I want the mask on. Let us never know. Let's do what two gay men have never done and have random anonymous sex with a total stranger in a dark back alley. <laughs> That's homophobic. Said the other guy, you don't want us to pick up any women. 
Yes, all women, said Rorschach, deserve to want this. Deserve to watch this. The question's pants dropped faster than Michael Bay's Rotten Tomatoes ratings. And picked up Rorschach in a suplex. Now suck it, gumshoe! Rorschach opened his mouth, his chap dry lips flaking into bloody ridges as he sucked down on the questions rock hard. Pussy tunneler like a young boy desperately jerking himself off with a paper grocery bag. God, I miss the 90s! <laughs> Plastic my ass! Actually... The question knew what Rorschach liked. He liked it rough. He liked it vicious. And with a rust, well, with a rusty spoon plunged into a can of lukewarm beans. Oh, right, the first two chapters. I forgot I wrote that. Uh, that means he dropped to his knees and pile drove Rorschach's head into a pile of garbage. Eat it, you filthy hobo. I'm the protector that Gotham needs now. With that, he pulled down Rorschach's exposed pants. Rorschach's homeless, diseased flesh was so stained brown with dried rectal grime that there was no telling when the pants ended and the flesh began. In fact, they stuck and peeled off reluctantly like saran wrap on a pile of more saran wrap over the mouth of a terrified young Amish girl stuck on the streets of Miami. Miami's a bad place. I, li I talk about the Amish on podcasts because they'll never know. I'm on page three of, three of six. No, I keep the murder boner down. Let's solve the mystery here, said the question. The question... I got all the clues. It was the question in the asshole with a dick. <laughs> he stacked his cards against the humanity ahead of him, struggling against the dry, 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 asymmetrical asshole of Rorschach. The question dove deep into the dark, cold mystery, flesh, fresh blood squirting from the penetration like a tumbler splooge over the new episode of Adventure Time that insinuates even more lesbianic relationships between Marceline and Princess Bubblegum. Bam! <laughs> The reluctant, strained, muscular cavern collapsing under the intrusion like Matthew McConaughey taking it from Woody Harrelson. Y'all need to watch True Detective. <laughs> the question drove Rorschach's head against a brick wall, which was graffiti to look like the Joker's face. The smile worn down with age, rain, decay, and several attempts to drill a glory hole into the gaping, toothy mall. <laughs> Home Depot, you can pick up the cement drill if you wish. Though don't. Suddenly, the question felt a stranger's hand on his shoulder. He turned to face his new opponent, only to see the tie-sporting, long-trench-coated, confused, pimple-pocked face of Vegas Lancaster! <laughs> hey, guys! <laughs> Said Lancaster, as friendly as he was caring and considerate. What seems to be going on here? Not unprotected sex without me, I hope. Fuck off, yelled Rorschach, whose face was smashed into a trash bag that burst, his mouth now stuffed with used diapers, unwashed parts of clay face, and compost from poison ivy. Yes, I ship them too. <laughs> they deserve one another. After a pause, the good Reverend Lancaster said, Okay. And he left. His champion's narrow, bony, nearly concave man-ass swiveling. Hey. If you guys ever want to draw a gadget from Rescue Rangers trapped in a bubble while being tickled by Gruffy Gummy Bear, give me a call. <laughs> Wouldn't be nice if people liked me, you know, since I lost the slash fiction writing competition and all. Get the fuck out of here, coo to the question. It's not a slash fic until you write coo. Or I'll ruin you like Uncle Yo ruined the Jester's Playhouse's bathroom ten minutes ago.
<laughs> the question... The question. His sausage pole twitching like a golden girl in a straitjacket locked <laughs> locked into the unloving cove of Rorschach's chowitz, uh, chorizo howitzer. Gritted his teeth and pressed deeper, grabbing Rorschach's hips for leverage. He reached down, rubbing Rorschach's lightning rod like Thor brushing his own luxurious blonde hair. Not gay! Just then, a spotlight illuminated above them, like the judging eyes of a young Amish girl's parents identifying her dead body on the streets of Sin City, also known as Las Vegas with better hookers. The streetlight belonged to both the Gotham PD and Archie, Night Owl, Space Age hovercraft, oddly shaped like, well, uh, a humming... uh, Benoit balls like like a Willy Wonka suppository. Finish him! Came Batman's voice through Archie's loudspeakers. Finish him off question! Nothing is illegal in Gotham anymore. They finally legalized gay marriage. And I can marry y'all! Called Vegas Lancaster in his weird high-pitchy voice falsetto squeaking out from outside the closed Starbucks since the, the bus stopped running. He just sat there sad. No one responded, but everyone giggled. Suddenly, a blast came from the question's testicles as Rorschach's foot launched itself into the question's groin unexpectedly, marking him with a newly opened period hole. His crotch ruined, rained intestinal trauma as he, as he learned the horror of vaginal incontinence brought on by a knife hidden in someone's boot. It's a tragedy. He felt his orgasms tumble and rearrange themselves uncomfortably like a heated game of kerplunk. Told you I missed the 90s. The question looked down at his newly opened slit taint, hanging, bleeding, and open like a young Amish girl after being featured on the Plus Two Comedies podcast. (laughs) Rorschach, why? That is the question, isn't it? You see, you bastard. Oh, (laughs) other than getting your rocks off, I wanted to play the man like the angry man who kept winning those naked wrestling matches with mom. She called him the milkman. I called him Santa Claus. Because he just kept coming back year after year and kept giving trauma. It's in the comics. That's actually canon. With a swing of his leg, Rorschach had the question lying on his back on the alley. Rorschach spread open the questions like exposing the wet, gaping, bloody hole. You don't get it, do you? Yes, cried the question. I'm not in here with you. You're in here of me. Rorschach fucked the question's knife wound, blood and and despair launching, spattering against the metal trash can as he happened, as it happened so many nights before, this is Gotham City. Rise, 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 chanted the bat as, as he began rubbing himself over the image of the dead Jason Todd lying on the street. We all do it. Rorschach gripped the question's neck and clenched both the throat and his vast defense. Take it, bitch! And the murderous maniac blasted a wave of stained, yellow, oddly chunky jism with a violent spritz of a malfunctioning super soaker circa 1992. His balls clapped together with such tenacity they sparked and caught fire temporarily. The question, feeling faint from finally being loved for being himself, was also was a bleeding ripoff in both mind, body, and soul. The only question was, would he be able to finish before he blacked out from blood loss? Rorschach leaned down and hermed, taking the remains of the question's floppy dick into his mouth, sa- savoring the salty taste of blood and the crunchy corn texture of his own poopy. 
<laughs> he bit and twisted like a German shepherd on the remains of a young Amish schoolgirl fighting her way out of the streets of Bangkok. There, there was twisting, unforgiving, cavity-ridden mouth bouncing up and down, up and down, up and down, up and repeat, up and down, up and down with alternating pressure and surprising grip because that's how some of us like it. Take notes, Noah. The question convulsed, spasming like an epileptic on acid, working a shadow puppet show during a rave hosted by Joe Schumacher. <laughs> Directed by Julie Tamar. The question clenched his abs, his buttocks, and what remained of his freshly sliced, now dribbling with intestinal pussy, and felt his life force, his salty, oniony cum, sweet as nectar, chunky as expired Campbell's soup. <laughs> and a Rorschach's waiting bony throne. The question bled out, the spotlights from Archie dimming, his soul feeling so light, his body finally extinguished. Hold me, he gasped, sweat streaking beneath his mask, or at least take my mask. Rorschach stood, pulled up his pants, and held up his wooden picket sign that read, the end is near the rear and shoved the picket side into the question mounting him like an American soldier planting the flag of victory an Iraqi soldier sand doesn't hold flags very well and neither do dead detectives apparently <laughs> Rorschach roared his murder boner pulsing and begging for more and it would have more so many more it would be baptized in the blood of bitch detective ripoffs until he was the only murder mystery worth solving with dc retconning itself every six minutes there would always be more batman ripoffs to kill elongated man detective chimp plastic man speed buggy Scooby-Doo, Inch High Private Eye, The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, Hong Kong Fooey, The Martian Manhunter, Nightwing, Robin, Bitch Robin, Bat Girl, Bat Wing, Wing Bat, The Spectre, The Spirit, Desolation Jones, Jesse Custer, Constantine, Batman, Man Bat, Man Thing, The Thing, Mr. Fantastic, Night Owl, and Vegas fucking Lancaster. <laughs> Rorschach gave himself a flickering moment to relish, to regret to burn the image of the crucified question into his mind and heart. In the spotlight, the swirling, blinding whiteness, it cast a symmetrical shadow of a crucified man on either wall of the alley. He turned his back on the stony, wet floor as it birthed him into the street into all new murderous possibilities. Sounds like you two had fun! <laughs> Vegas Lancaster said, giving Rorschach a big, dorky thumbs up. Rorschach huffed and breathed heavily for a moment, thinking, reflecting on his past sins and future exploitations. You want to go solve a mystery, little buddy? Asked Rorschach. Vegas smiled and nodded, really excitedly. Call me Shaggy. Give it up for Uncle Yo! <laughs> Tough night to be a member of Plus Two Comedy. <laughs> or Joel Schumacher. Real tough night to be Joel Schumacher as well. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Vegas Lancaster! Thank guys, Uncle Yo's story was a true story. <laughs> 
my topic was the Golden Girls and Rocket Raccoon. So this story is called, Thank You for Being a Friend with Benefits. Or, Court-Appointed Guardians of the Elderly Galaxy. Our story begins in a wood-paneled kitchen of a Miami home, recorded live in front of a studio audience, such as yourselves. Four older ladies share a cheesecake, Four older ladies who deserve an introduction to an audience that mostly wasn't born before their series was canceled. We see Dorothy, our strong, smart, every-woman protagonist of about 60. She is arguably the sexiest of the four. Blanche Devereaux, a senior citizen Southern Belle. She is arguably the sexiest of the four. Sophia, Dorothy's mother, who is the old character in a show about old people. (laughs) And arguably the sexiest of the four. And finally, Betty White, as herself, who is obviously the sexiest of the four. A lady such as myself has had many sexual encounters, began Blanche, But it's always the same old thing. Mushroom tip into the cooter, two minutes of purgatory, and then you're whistling Dixie on your way to the Planned Parenthood. (laughs) That's funny, said Dorothy. I didn't think they had any Planned Parenthoods in the South. (laughs) They do, darling. But they have to hide them in the back of those giant firework warehouses. What do y'all think a Roman candle is for? In my day, started Ma Sophia, we didn't have Planned Parenthood. You had to walk five miles in the snow to the illegal backroom doctor. Ladies, I don't think abortion is an appropriate or endearing topic to start a conversation or story, (laughs) said Betty White, who had a cold and was not speaking in a believable Betty White voice. (laughs) You're right, that would be a very bad way to get a hypothetical audience on your side, (laughs) said Dorothy. Oh, that was Dorothy. (laughs) Blanche, you were saying you were getting tired of the same old sexual encounters? Oh, yes. Every time it's the same human penis. Sure, some are a little bigger than others, and some tilt a little to one side, and some have a little piece of skin cut off, and some don't. But it's all the same. Just once, I'd like to have a nice, hard baculum. What's a baculum? asked Betty White. It's a bone found in the penis of many placental mammals, said Blanche. Oh, I don't think interspecies sex is a good way to get a hypothetical audience on your side either. 
Oh, it's no big thing, said Ma Sophia. Back in my day, we used to have sex with rainforest monkeys all the time. But you ladies don't do that now with the AIDS epidemic. (laughs) The woman all nodded in glum agreement, as AIDS was a very scary and not funny disease in the 1980s. (laughs) But a baculum, said Dorothy. I mean, a real live penis bone. That would be something. Imagine a boner that never went soft, no matter how old and disgusting you were. (laughs) Even if you were so old that your social security number was seven. Even if you are so old that instead of Medicare, you have a preservation grant from the Smithsonian. Even if you were so old that you were literally Betty White. (laughs) Even so, I still wouldn't feel right having sex with a non-human animal with a baculum. I mean, which animals have baculums? I wouldn't want to have sex with a dog because my knees are bad, so I can't do it doggy style. And I wouldn't want to have sex with a cat because they're selfish bastards. Like my ex-husband. Am I right, ladies? And I wouldn't want to have sex with a bear because I'm not a fat gay man. But there must be some animal we haven't thought of yet. A sexy little thing that has great hygiene and always washes its hands. (laughs) Just then, Rocket Raccoon burst into the kitchen. (laughs) Ah, snap! I'm in big trouble this time, yelled the raccoon. Also, I I guess this is probably what I sound like, but I'm not sure because my movie hasn't come out yet. Well, well, what have we here? Tell me, sir, what's the biological structure that supports your pee? Pediatrician! Dorothy yelled, comically cutting Blanche off in classic sitcom fashion. (laughs) Blanche, you can't be so forward. Raccoons are wary animals and may run if threatened. You're asking, what is the biological structure that supports my pediatrician? At this point, Betty White thought of something funny to say about pediatricians, but decided not to say it, since three minutes of abortion and bestiality did not need a layer of child molestation on top. (laughs) A five-year-old's dick, said Ma Sophia, who lacked Betty White's better judgment. (laughs) I apologize for my friends, Mr. Raccoon. They all have Alzheimer's or cancer or both, as everyone will someday, said Dorothy, looking out into the studio audience. Yes, I would advise any young people listening to take advantage of the time they have. Live your life. 
before your brain rots away and your vagina gets full of tumors. Anyway, how can we help you? I'm in big trouble. I was in the middle of guarding the galaxy because I assume that's what I do. And I got chased by interdimensional demons of dryness. A guardian of the galaxy? You must have some amazing superpowers. Aw, you know it, baby. According to Wikipedia, my powers are as follows. Rocket has the attributes of a normal Earth raccoon. (laughs) That's pretty lame. Whatever, I'm super badass. And this summer, I'm going to bring in a $600 million box office. But I'll never do that if I got caught by interdimensional demons of dryness. Well, how do you stay away from demons of dryness? By getting my dick really fucking wet. How fucking wet? Oh, about four old ladies worth of fucking wet. (laughs) Then Rocket Raccoon got his dick really fucking wet. In the manner you would expect in a slash fiction story. Oh, Mr. Raccoon, said an extremely satisfied Betty White. I can't wait to have your babies. Oh, you won't have my babies. But you will get my rabies. Ah, no. It's AIDS all over again. Well, if a hot baculum is what I get for it, then your STD is for ST me. (laughs) Then they all laughed and the credits rolled. But it was a Marvel production, so there was a secret scene. And Uncle Yo showed up and had sex with the raccoon. And then the old ladies. And then the raccoon again. The end. Uncle Yo has joined us on stage to smoke Vegas' cock. All right. (laughs) We got one more, guys. Give it up for Vegas one last time. And now keep that energy up for the very funny Ramon Bender. My story is entitled, Why the Fuck Didn't I Just Pick Aqua Teen Hunger Force? <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck was I thinking? John Wayne, I don't know fuck about John Wayne. Whoever put John Wayne in the pile, I want to slap you with my dick. Part one. <laughs> it was a brisk, sunny day in the summer of 1945. A young Clint Eastwood could barely contain his excitement. He was going to see the premiere of his favorite actor's new film. They were expendable. (laughs) 
Clint didn't really care about what would certainly be a shitty World War II movie about a bunch of faggy sailors ass-ramming each other in the Philippines. <laughs> but John Wayne himself would be at the premiere. The very prospect of meeting his idol made Clint's 15-year-old balls shoot up into his body like someone losing their grip on well-oiled anal beads. <laughs> that night at the premiere, Clint could barely contain his throbbing meat balloon. The movie was pretty much crap, a bunch of queer bait sailors jacking each other off and talking shit on gooks. <laughs> At least, that was how the first half hour went. But then Chris spy Chris. Clint spied his idol sneaking out of the theater, and Clint hastened to follow, only twice accidentally smacking people in the face with his John Wayne-induced cockstalagmite. <laughs> Clint caught up with his idol in the bathroom. He entered to find John Wayne, the John Wayne, with his back turned to him. Miss Mr. Wayne? Clint managed to eke out. Well, hey there, pilgrim. <laughs> John Wayne said and then turned around slowly. He was clearly drunk, but his dick didn't know it. <laughs> John Wayne's gnarled, crusty shillelagh of a cock was out, and it was out for blood. <laughs> Clint was mesmerized. He barely noticed his own stubby wing-wang unsheathed itself from his trousers, like the Incredible Hulk, hulking out. John and Clint's cocks stared each other down until Clint's cock flinched, which surprised both of them since cocks don't have eyes. <laughs> John walked his trademark gait over to Clint without bending his legs, causing his pilgrim poker to wobble hypnotically. Clint was powerless to resist. Clint fell to his knees and John Wayne's hypno-cock snaked forward until it found purchase in Clint Eastwood's tight, moist face cunt. John Wayne didn't give a fuck. He knew that this shitty movie about cock-gobbling semen wasn't ending anytime soon, so he decided to enjoy himself. And, as if on cue, his tumescent wiggle meat exploded all over the now catatonic Clint Eastwood's face. And for the first time ever, Clint's face took on his trademark grimace. He would never recover. John looked into the cum-glazed eyes of the young Clint, which seemed to have aged in the which seemed to have aged into the steely eyes of the man he would become in the seven seconds he had been drenched in John Wayne's cowboy cream. <laughs> John Wayne's cock quivered in anticipation and took on a life of its own. It reached out, becoming longer and longer, wrapping Clint like a python strangling the life out of a jizz-drenched baby rabbit. Or really bad tentacle porn. <laughs> it turned Clint over and hoisted him bodily, or penisly, as the case was, over the sink. John's now animated sapient penis released Clint and turned to look John dead in the eyes. I don't think it can take it, it said with its urethra, which should have been shocking but wasn't. <laughs> it motioned to Clint's tiny puckered balloon knot. The hell it can't, <laughs> John replied, and forced his now struggling meat lasso into Clint's good, bad, and soon-to-be-ugly butt pussy. <laughs> it wasn't long before John erupted. 
shooting baby gravy like a fire hose manned by Gary Coleman <laughs> over the vulnerable over the vulnerable child he had been violently raping. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. John Wayne's cock lifted Clint Eastwood off the sink gingerly and leveled with him, face to newly sentient penis urethra face. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, punk, the penis said slowly. Did I fire six shots or only five? <laughs> and with that, the penis unleashed a final load, which flooded the bathroom and burst through the door, rushing down the hallway like that scene from The Shining. Even more so because John Wayne had a severe urinary tract infection, and so there was some blood in it. <laughs> it made its way into the theater, coinciding quite nicely with a tidal wave scene from the movie about queer sailors jacking each other off. Thank you. Ramon Bender! Let's get all of the professional round comics back up here. Come on, guys, get out of here. Oh. Whew. All right. I'm going to remind everybody what everybody did, and then we'll vote. All right, so we have Vegas Lancaster with the Golden Girls and Rocket Raccoon. We have Nikki Black with Pikachu. We have Rachel Finley with League of Legends. We have Ramon Bender with... No, it was John Wayne, not Clint Eastwood. <laughs> but Clint Eastwood was there. And then we have... Oh, yeah, was he there? And then we have Uncle Yo with the question in Rorschach in Vegas and every other goddamn character in existence. <laughs> By a round of applause, Uncle Yo. Ramon Bender. Rachel Finley. Nikki Black. Vegas Lancaster. Yeah, I know. I, I think we got to do a tiebreaker between Nikki and Vegas. Is that... Everybody agrees? All right. Only really cheer for the one you want to win. And don't just vote because the crown will look better on Nikki. <laughs> will yelled that's not true. <laughs> All right, here we go. Nikki Black Pikachu. Vegas Lancaster, the Golden Girls, Rocket Raccoon. I think we gotta go Nikki Black and Pikachu. Give it up one more time for everyone you've seen tonight. If you've had a good time, we are here at Jester's Playhouse every Thursday at 8.30 for the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Be sure to come. You'll get all the jokes that Paul made in his flash fiction. <laughs> and as always, we'd like to thank Ben Affleck for making the show possible <laughs> and holding me oh so tenderly. This has been the Slash Fiction World Championships! Thank you, good night, guys.